We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's transition into the questions, right? So we got a lot of good questions today. Let's dive into that. Uh, Want to start off with uh, this was this was hilarious. So Brandon Plesner just randomly in the middle of our show says, "I thought it was Tuesday and Thursday," and I'm like, "What the heck are you talking about?" Then he follows up and he says, "That's how locked in I am to IB. Trying to text my girlfriend and accidentally put it in the chat." <laughs> That's how locked in Brandon is to the IV show. <laughs> so that was, I thought it was Tuesday or Thursday. I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. About? Yeah. That was, that was a great one. I, I, I do want to thank Mark. He said the fly killing speed has to be a super chat. I appreciate that very much. Uh, you know, you don't mess with me during the show because then it's just, you got to go. Right. I mean, you just, it's just time to go. You're right. Look in your eyes, by the way, when like you were eyeballing that fly, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, bad's about oh, to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had to he had to do it you know it's like you know i hate to do it just as bad as you hate to see it done you know but it's got it's got to do it. you leave me no choice oscar bravo golf yankee november with a super chat thank you for that how much of an increase in arm strength and zip is reasonable to expect as cj car develops also just got my hat today thanks gentlemen you are welcome i i think there's a, I, I think we'll see a jump i think cj vince you and i both saw him he's he's a kid I mean, he's a kid, right? And he's a tall, six two and a half, very talented kid, but he's physically still a kid. I mean, he's right. He he's older for a twenty four kid. I mean, I think he's yeah, right now. yeah, just um, turned seventeen yeah. in May. Yeah, he needs time. I mean, he just needs. Yeah. To, I'm ready to be a starting quarterback in college, right? He's, he is on the same age track that I was on okay. because I had that weird that May June birthday. Where like you turn at the end of the, the year, so like he'll be seventeen all of his ju- junior, he'll be right. eighteen all of his senior year, and then turn nineteen as he's getting ready to enroll at Notre Dame, right? That's yeah. how I was because it's just that, that weird birthday. And I'll tell you, I went from my my jump in size and arm strength from my sophomore year in high school at the same age to senior year was significant, and I don't have the arm that CJ Carr had. I had a pretty strong arm, I, I would say. I but he hit it. So it, my point is, it'll jump. You'll see that. Will he look like John Elway by his senior year? No. 
but he's going to have a strong arm and he can already power the ball down the field. I mean, he, he already is a more willing uh, deep ball thrower than Dante Moore. I think part of that's the offense, you know, but, but he's throws the ball downfield a lot, shows good touch at times. As we talked about the breakdown, he'll throw that deep ball and it'll be just slightly behind that stuff will change as he gets stronger. So I definitely think we'll see more deep ball growth, I think his zip will improve, obviously, as he gets stronger, just natural growth. And then you kind of start talking about once he gets into a college strength program. So, I mean, arm strength is not an issue for CJ Carr. I mean, it is, he has good arm strength now. It's going to be very good when, by the time he gets to college. That's just natural growth right. and just natural. Right. Right. He doesn't need to do anything special. He just needs to right. grow up. And him and him and Dante Moore are very similar. Neither of them are going to have like the Nico, uh, the the the, bazo- the Malik Zaire, the the bazooka for an arm, right? Like they just don't have that. But you don't necessarily need that. Brandon Wimbush had that, and he wasn't a, a great college quarterback. So I think they have plenty of arm talent, plenty of arm strength. And for excuse me, CJ, it's going to get even stronger. It will for Dante, but we're just talking about CJ now as well. So, yes, I think that's going to end up being a strength, a significant strength of his when you consider that he also throws with really good timing for his age. Like his timing for a sophomore is outstanding. His anticipation for a sophomore is outstanding. As the arm strength catches up to those traits, the accuracy, the ball placement. Now, that's why I say I don't have him as a five star yet. I have him as a four and a half star, top 50 guys, kind of in like that 35 to 40 range for me, probably overall as a player. He's my number two quarterback in that class so far, but easy five star upside. And I think we'll see that by his junior year. I, I really do. Just be from some of the things we saw just in the, in the, in the Irish invasion, there's been a little bit of a jump in, in arm strength from that standpoint. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Brandon K asks, how likely is it that Foskey does not lead the team in sacks? Will one of the Adam Miolas pull it off since Foskey might draw more attention? You want to take that one there, Vince? Possible. I, I, I would never say anything is not possible. He is going to get more attention. He obviously leads the team in sacks go, you know, after last year. I think that he's still going to get his. I, I don't I don't see Jason leading the team in in sacks just because of the position that he plays. I, I would be if, if a defensive line if a defensive interior lineman is leading the team in sacks, I think that's a negative for Notre Dame. I, I just do. I from the talent that Notre Dame has on the edge, I think that's a negative. So could Justin lead the team in sacks? Yeah, it's possible, depending on the amount of playing time that he gets. Because I, I still think he's going to be he's going to be a backup. I mean, I don't think he's going to start. So, it, depending on his reps, how many opportunities is, is he going to get? I think Isaiah Foskey is going to get more opportunities than Justin is going to get. So, just from that standpoint, I'm going to say that I still think Isaiah Foskey is going to lead the team in sacks. Would it shock me? No, but I think there would be extenuating circumstances that led to that being the case. Mm-hmm. If everybody's healthy the whole year, I still think it's Foskey. I, how likely is it? It's unlikely. It would have to be somebody. It would have to be somebody other than the Adamiolas. Yeah. I mean, it, it right. would have to be like Marist as a blitzing linebacker, as a third down pass rusher. It would have to be Riley Mills gets nine, 10 sacks. Right. It would have to be something like that. I think like you mentioned, you made the case why the, it wouldn't be the Adamiolas. So that's that. I agree with you on that fence. Brandon yeah. K also asks, where would you use Jordan Patejo? For me, unless he's a starter, I'm using him all over. I mean, sure. I, I, I'm going to use, I'm going to get him near the line of scrimmage on third down. I'm going to have him in, in like a rover role as a rotation guy in certain looks. I, I'm using him all over. Yes. I would, I, and we talked about that, but Ryan and I talked about that in, in our, you know, positional rankings and all of that. He's he's your he's your Swiss Army knife. I think that's mm-hmm. what that's the value that he adds to this team is he's your Swiss Army knife. Eventually, he'll get himself into a starting role. I don't know where that's going to be. Is that going to be as an edge rusher? Is that going to be as a rover? Is it going to, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that right now his benefit to this team is playing him everywhere. Alan English. Some of these Shawshank redemption people just can't get over the fact that I don't like that movie in terms of national Alan English. I'm just giving you our time in terms of national perception. The Adam are going to break out like Andy Dufresne. I look for them uh, to be a national storyline before the year is out. I think I think that's accurate because if they're both playing well, it's a story because they're twins. Yeah, absolutely, it's yeah. a, a, almost too easy of a story to be honest yeah. with you. It, it's some it's low hanging fruit that a lot of national media will grab onto. So yeah. I agree with that completely. We have some uh, some people that agree with some of our assessments. Vince John Murray says good to IB. I believe Ryan Barnes will work his way into a rotational or starting position at corner. Uh, Connor Nepper says Riley Mills is my sleeper defensive player of the year. Let's go 99. And he also reminds everyone to hit the like button, IB Nation. Absolutely. Sean Kane asks, who do you guys see being more effective in a backup role this year at end, Alexander Ahrensberger or Nana? Can I say both? Yeah. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that, right? I'm not cheating and taking a lazy answer. I think it depends on what we're looking for. I think Alexander Ahrensberger is going to be the more disruptive rotation player. He'll have some sacks, have some big plays. We've already seen that from him. I mean, he was the guy that that forced Desmond Ritter to tuck the ball right before Isaiah Foskey stripped it from him, and he took off running. So I think I think that's a that's obviously something we have to look at. I think when you look at Nana, Nana's more of a down one and down two run defender, strong at the point of attack kind of guy. I think that's where I see him being 
the more effective player. Uh, so I think both is my is mine, Vince. Yeah, I I hope Nana steps up. I have less faith in Nana than I do in Aaronsberger right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That that's just Nana has has battled some injuries and things of that nature, and I hope that he steps up and and is able to be that guy. I just if I'm if I'm forced to rank them, I would say Alexander over Nana right now. But again, that's only because of what I've seen up to this point. All right, Sean. Uh, Jimmy James says, "Can Love play the slot?" Please say yes, so I can dream. We get him and Richard Young. The reality is, is, is that can he play the slot? I don't know. I don't think he's that kind of receiver. Maybe he is. I think Jay Lamar could be that guy. But I think the thing about Jeremiah Love is, you read the article that's on the front page of Irish Breakdown today. He said to Ryan Roberts, "I don't want to be considered a running back. I'm an all-around athlete. I can play running back. I can play receiver. I can play corner." We think he could also play safety. So getting him and Richard Young is not going to be a battle against each other. You're not taking one over the other. You take them both. So whether he can play slot or not, you're taking him. I mean, the fact that he wants to be recruited as an athlete helps your cause in that instance. Because if you get Richard Young, it's not like, well, Jeremiah, we don't have room for you. He's like, fine, whatever. I can play wherever. I, wherever. And that's what he wants to do. So that's that's a really interesting aspect to that recruitment. Travis Connor said, just joined. So sorry if it's been discussed. Are we still high on Prince Kali? He seemed like a hot name as the next Jeremiah Wusukoromoa for a while, but that talk seems to have fizzled. Um, that talk is only fizzled because he's not playing Rover anymore. But I, I I think there's a lot of people s- still high on him. The difference is, is, what did we say about Jeremiah Wusukoromoa's first two years? Not a lot. He didn't play. He played one snap of special teams in his first two years of college football. Prince Colley's already done way more than Jeremiah Wusukoromoa did his first two years. So I don't think he's been dismissed. I just think right now, Vince, there's older players that are ahead of him who are also really good, and that tends to happen when you're at a program like Notre Dame. So that Absolutely. would be my stance on that. Do you have anything to add to that conversation? I talked about my love for Prince Kali. I think he's going to be a rotation player. I think he's going to be a really important piece of what they're doing defensively. And I think you're going to get a ton of play from the Will linebacker position, and that's where he's backing up right now. And so he's going to play, and he's going to make plays, and it's going to be fun to watch. I, whoever they put it, Will, is going to be fun to watch. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Blaine Tiller asks, I think Maris is going to be great, but do you think some of the hype on him – was because of the quality of the other linebackers last year versus this year. No, not at all. No, because we've been t- we talked about Maris before last year. He was a breakout player for us a year ago. I mean, this we this isn't the first time we talked about it. He, what we're saying now. We thought we were going to get last year before he got hurt. It's about Marist. and I, I think that, and I it, I think that's a very fair question, Vince. It's a very cool. fair question. Um, number one, it's not relative to what was at the position in the previous time. It's what this player will produce. I, he would be in that even if uh, it, let's just say JD Bertrand was a, an absolute monster last year and Jack Kaiser was a great player last year. I'd still be saying the same thing about Maris because I would still slide JD over to Mike and I would have Maris as well. And he would break out from a injured guy who had 22 tackles year before to right. a really good player, no matter what. So players it's on him. the field. JD right. is one of the players right now and he proved it last year. Right. So right. yeah. Jonathan Fish asks, is Vince the president of the Cam Hart fan club? If Vince is the president of the Cam Hart fan club and Ryan is the president of the Mayor's fan club, which current players fan club is Brian the president of? I'm going to let you guess that one, Vince. Who do you think I am the president of the fan club? Uh, huh? But he's not a player. Yeah, current players. I, I know. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to say the Jason Adamiola fan club. Okay. I wouldn't say that I'm the president of his fan club. I just don't think he gets enough respect as a player. You're a member of the fan club. I don't know if I don't know because I feel like I feel like being part of a fan club means like you kind of jump in on board without actual evidence of it being true yet. Ooh, right. Okay. Like, and and I mean that in in a respectful manner because you jumped on the Cam Hart thing before there was I mean, look and I thought he's going to be a really good player too, but I I just was like, well, let's see him play, and you're like, nope, don't need to see him play. He's going to be great, right? And you know, uh, and and Ryan's like that with Maris. So I I think it's it's. It comes down to, I mean, Jason's been a player, been a rotation guy since from the moment he stepped up, stepped on campus in Notre Dame. And I just never felt he got the respect for what he's done. Right. So it's not, it, it, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say him. I, I don't know who I would predict, uh, pick on that. I, I, that's a really good one. I, I'd say, <laughs> you know who I would say? Chris Tyree. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I he's but again, it also comes down to because I don't think he gets the respect that that maybe he should. Yeah. I think Chris Tyree is going to be a, a game changer for Notre Dame. Again, maybe it doesn't equal fifteen hundred yards, and maybe he only gets eight carries a game. But in those eight carries a game, he's going to be really dynamic. So, and he's from Virginia, so he's got that going for him too. So that certainly yeah. helps. Yeah, certainly helps. Ryan said Avery just texted me said Avery Davis. Hmm. I don't think that's no. I don't think that's. We almost forgot to talk about him the other day. So I almost actually I almost put him on my breakout player list. Yeah, but I'm just not sure how high of a ceiling he has. I just don't know the answer to that. I think he's going to end up being if he's healthy all season. I think that he's going to be a very reliable, very go-to type of player this year at wide receiver. So I almost had him on my list, but I just don't know how high the ceiling is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he's been a starter. Yeah. So does that mean he's going to be a, a star? I don't know about that, but I think he's going to be right. a very, very reliable starter. So. I thought you were going to guess Drew Pine. That's who I thought uh, you were going to guess. Yeah. 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 I thought One. you were going to guess Drew Pine. Man, you are a fan. So. Anthony Oz. Can Notre Dame's defense and the secondary contain Ohio State's receivers on opening day? Can they? Yes, of course they can. Will they? We'll see. Be seen. Yeah, I, don't know. I think. I think the thing is, is like the way that Ohio State ended the season and the way the Notre Dame ended the season in those two areas has people thinking that they're just going to throttle Notre Dame. I want to remind people that a lot of Ohio State's production was coming against backups and con- a converted running back, and I don't mean converted like Cam Hart was converted. I mean a guy that was rushing and carrying the ball in that game who had to play corner because they had so many injuries. That's true. So I think that, and again, I, I think neither, neither game was necessarily truly indicative of what either team was, good and bad. Like we've we've talked about how I'm not super high on Ohio State's defense. They're not as bad as they looked in that bowl game, though. You know what I mean? And so I just I think I don't think I think we sometimes put too much onto bowl games. Is Ohio State's receiving core going to be really good? Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. We talked about how it's absurd to have Ryan and I talked about how it's absurd to have Alabama's receiving core coming back ranked ahead of Ohio State's receiving core coming back. It's absolutely absurd. We would rank Ohio State's receiving core probably is the best number one group coming into the country. But I also think that the the problem with this discussion is a lot of people think that Notre Dame's secondary is just going to suck. Right. And I'll be like, you know, Notre Dame's played some pretty good receiving cores in recent years. You know what I mean? Like the one they played against Alabama in 2020 didn't suck. And, you know, they had a hard time defending Devontae Smith, but they had some success against those other guys. And and th- that was without 
a, a front seven like the one that they're going to have. And, and even now, I think you look at last year, like with North Carolina, they did well in some games against North Carolina. They didn't against some other guys. They did. So can they? Yes. Will they? We'll see. I think what it comes down to is, is the best way to, for, to, to slow down Ohio State's receivers is to dominate at the line of scrimmage. Nailed it. That's the way to slow them down. I mean, if the quarterback's rushed and getting the ball out, I mean, that's something that helped, I would say, uh, Oregon. And so Ohio State put up their yards, but they didn't put up points because the ball was coming out quickly and because the pass rush, even though they didn't have to cave on Thibodeau, I think that's what helped them help Michigan especially is, again, Ohio State's going to get their yards. The key is keeping the points down. And you keep right. the points down by co- forcing the quarterback to throw more passes right. and, and getting the ball out quicker so you can rally to the ball so you're limiting the big plays. I think when Ohio State gets real dangerous is when they're ripping off big plays in the pass game. And that's when it's – because that's when the points come. If they're – I mean, they're going to get the, – like I said, they're going to get their yards. Just the nature of the offense is they're going to get their yards. But can you can you can you allow them to get their yards from a higher volume? Because what would you say were the three worst games Ohio State had last year? I would argue that it was Oregon, Michigan, and Nebraska. Okay, they scored twenty six points against Nebraska. They were Nebraska had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to take a lead against Ohio State. And guess what else those three games have in common? Those are the three games they had the highest number of pass attempts. 54 against Oregon, 54 against Nebraska, 49 against Michigan, right? And the per- and, and the completion percentage was also lower in those games. I thought Ohio State struggled on offense uh, early on, especially against Tulsa, completed 60% of his passes. So I think when you when you look at, at those those outcomes, I think those are things you look at and say, if you can force him to speed up throws, get the ball out quicker, force his reads, that's when he'll make mistakes. Uh, as all quarterbacks do when you pressure them. I mean, that's that's not that's true of every quarterback. If you get in their face, consistently pressure them, they're going to make mistakes. And yeah, I, I think it's that, and then you have to try to contain their running back. That kid right. is stuck. You, you have, and to that's what makes that da- that offense truly dangerous. All the focus is on the receivers. I, the, the thing is, like, if it's just the receivers, that that's I'm not worried about stopping that. Right. It's it's that you focus too much on the receivers, and Trayvon Henderson is going to go for a buck eighty. That kid is special. You yeah. you've got able if you can contain their run game and you can get in the face of cj stroud you're going to have success you know i'm not not predicting a victory i'm not necessarily saying that but if you're looking for a game plan that's the game plan you you have to control their run game and you have to make him you have to make quarterback stroud feel uncomfortable that's how you get to ohio state's offense period so if you give me the option who i'm shutting down henderson or smith and jigba i'm going with henderson i am i i just feel like there's other ways that you attack the the pass game agree let's get to a few more here vince we have a super chat from icurn with irish luck i would say brian is the is leading the riley mills fan club i am subscribed to that club too i think that's fair i wouldn't say that that would be the the club i would project myself to be but i think that's fair i mean as much as we've kind of talked about what we think it can be i think that's fair i think that's fair i think there's a couple other guys you could probably talk about like xavier watts i'm surprised nobody said xavier watts yeah. Um, surprised about that one too. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Avatar yeah. looks nice. <laughs> yeah, Archer four five two. If Notre Dame goes eleven and one, will that be enough to get into the playoff? Last year eleven and one wasn't enough, but the schedule this year seems stronger. Only one ranked win last year. Last year's eleven and one, they didn't deserve to get in the playoff. I mean, week eleven and one. We 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 laid out the path for them. 
mean, we had this very show, Vince, at the end of the year, going into the championship game of here's the path for Notre Dame to get in. And if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game, Notre Dame's playoff team. I mean, it's just simple as that. But at the same time, we also talked about the fact that their resume was unimpressive. We thought they were going to be a playoff team and, and wanted them in the playoff because we felt, you know, again, this was we like the matchups. We like, you know, yeah. there were, there were and they were things. playing hot. They were hot going into the year. And you take Bama out and it's like, you know, okay, I think there's some matchups that could be favorable to Notre Dame sure. in, in the postseason. Like I would have loved a rematch against Cincinnati. I would have yeah. loved to have played Michigan last year. And Georgia is not the kind of team that's given Notre Dame problems. Like, like again, Look what happened the last two times Notre Dame played Georgia, right? Oh, they're going to dominate Notre Dame in the line of scrimmage. Okay. Now, that was the one that I think Notre Dame does not beat Georgia last year. No chance. Because Georgia would have destroyed Notre Dame's offensive line. My point is they wouldn't have hung a 40 spot on Notre Dame either. That was kind of my point there. Uh, but the thing, like you said, they the end of the year, Archer, they had zero wins over teams ranked in the top 25. I mean, you can't you can't defend that from an on paper resume. You're standpoint. hanging your hat on beating a nine and four Wisconsin team that lost to Minnesota. Won it with an amazing defense at the end of the game. Yeah, you were I mean, losing in the fourth yeah. quarter. Exactly, exactly. You know, your second best win is a is a win over a nine and four Purdue team. I mean, you know, like uh, I mean, come on, Purdue lost at home to Minnesota. They lost at home to Wisconsin. They got destroyed by Ohio State. Like that's what you're hanging your playoff resume on. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs. It is what it is. And we said that. I mean, we said that going in. Right. We like the match in the playoff, but they didn't right. deserve to be there. So this year, if Notre Dame's 11 and 1, they're going to have a win over Ohio State or Clemson or potentially both because right. there's a scenario where they beat both and lose to like a BYU or something right. like that. Right. right. Uh, so it'll be much tougher. Plus, I think BYU is going to be a top 25 team this year. I think USC will be better. I think the schedule overall is going to be, t- I think BC is going to be better than, than what they were last year if, if Phil stays healthy. I think North Carolina is going to be better than what people think. This year, I think they're a sleeper team for me. Um, it was harder than it was last year. Well, on paper, it's not. That's the interesting thing. Because if you look on paper, their 12 opponents have a combined losing record. That's with 10 win Ohio State or 10 win B Clemson, 10 win Ohio State, and 11 or 11 win Ohio State and 10 win BYU because you have four and eight USC, you have two and 10 UNLV, you have like two and 10 Navy. Well, we don't think USC is going to be four and eight again. Right. Exactly. Like we think BC is going to be better than six and six this year. Cause if you look at what they were when Phil played, they were better four and two when he didn't play, they were two and four. Right. right. And so, you know, I think those are some things I look at Vince and I say, you know, some of the teams that, 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 that were not good last year are going to be, I think Stanford's going to be better. I don't think they're going to be good, but they're going to be better than what three and nine last year. Wise. It will help the overall record. I, I just, right. Look at last year. You're right. It's an under 500 schedule. It's much but... tougher at the top. That's the one thing I know for sure. It's a much yeah. tougher schedule at the top. The top four this year is much tougher than the top four those, last year. Those are the wins that you need for a resume, right? I mean, right. those are the, the marquee, you know, because we talk about, okay, what was Notre Dame's best win last year? Well, Wisconsin, Purdue, like, eh. But if they're 11-1 like, next end year. end of the year, we're begging for Wisconsin or Purdue to keep winning so they right. might get a team in the top 25 of the college football exactly. playoff rankings futile attempt <laughs> right right and, and and that was that was what i mean look archer you're new to the channel we talked about that before the season yeah. that's why we were so pissed at the way brian kelly coached the team because it was a down year in college football we knew ohio nice. state wasn't gonna be as good as they were the year before because they had lost a lot of guys we knew that alabama wasn't going to be as good as they were the year before 
We knew that that there, there just wasn't a. We knew Clem, we predicted Clemson was going to be down. I didn't think they were going to go like start the year one and three, but we knew they were going to be down. Like that was a, a year that was a perfect opportunity where Notre Dame's schedule was tough ish, but we thought it was super because they had like North Carolina as a top ten team, they had USC as a top twenty five team, which we thought was patently absurd. You know, it was just you look at the schedule and they thought Wisconsin was going to be a top ten to thirteen team, and we're like, no, they're not going to be that good. I thought it was going to be tougher than it was, but I didn't think it was going to be as tough as people made it out to be because there was people predicting eight and four and seven and five last year, which is absurd. And it was just like it's it was a down year in college football. It's a lot like 2017. And that's why losing at home to freaking Cincinnati was so frustrating. And and Brian Kelly's inability to make the right moves to get the team where he needs to get to was so frustrating because last year was a year that was there for the taking. And that's what was so frustrating about the whole thing. And um, Frank Kelly could have you know, could have ridden off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah, what a title. Yeah, if he would have made. Now again, that would have required a new O line coach. I mean, it, they yeah. weren't winning a title with the staff as it was constructed. They could have been in a playoff game and maybe won a playoff game, depending on who they were seated against. If they would have been seated against Georgia, they're losing. But let's just say they would have been able to climb up the number three or something. Uh, okay, then that's a matchup I'd have felt a whole lot better about. So that would have uh, that would have made it very interesting, but yeah, I I just I look at it and it was a, it was a frustrating year. This year, I think there's going to be better teams. I think this is going to be a bounce back year. We I was talking about the friend. I think the Big Ten is going to be better than it was last year. It's going to be deeper than it was last year. I think you know the Big Twelve is going to be interesting. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to be as good at the top, but it's going to. There's some teams that are that are coming along. I think the Pac-12 is going to be interesting. I think the ACC is going to be better than it was last year. Because uh, Clemson's going to be better, they're not going to be what they were, but they're going to be better. BC is going to be better. I think Carolina's going to have a bounce back. Pitt's not dominating the ACC this year. I can promise you that. Uh, the SEC is going to have a bounce back year. I think the SEC was down big time last year. I think the SEC is going to be better. So I think it's going to be a fun year. I really do. I really do. And moral of the story, to, to kind of answer your question, if Notre Dame goes eleven and one this year, yes, they're in. Uh, the only exception would be as if there's three undefeated teams and and uh, and a 12 and 1 one law a 12 and 1 conference champ. I think that might make it harder for Notre Dame. But yes, Notre Dame at 11 and 1 with the schedule they have now, assuming their loss isn't like last game of the year in a blowout or let's say they beat Ohio State but then get blown out at home by Clemson or something like that, as long as it's not something strange, 11 and 1 gets Notre Dame in the playoff this year in my opinion. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's even close, to be perfectly honest with you. So. Yep. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then uh, Irish Shy Town. Will CJ Carr start as a true freshman? Also, is there a chance that if we get Dante Moore, that Carr will be redshirted? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a chance. I think uh, I'll address the second one first. If Notre Dame gets Dante Moore and CJ Carr, when the starting job opens, they're not going to redshirt CJ Carr immediately. They're going to let those guys battle for the job. And then if Dante Moore wins the job, then yes, CJ Carr would redshirt. 
which would be the perfect world scenario for me uh, and what I think would be great for Notre Dame. But will he start as a true freshman? The only way CJ starts as a true freshman is if no, if, if some things go really bad for Notre Dame the next few years. Because I, I don't think Tyler Buckner's a four-year, a three-year player. I think Tyler Buckner's a four-year player. I could be wrong about that. He could be so good the next two years that he leaves early. I just don't see that, like, leaving after 2023, Vince. So I think he'll be back in 2024. So I don't think CJ would take a starting job. Right. And, and But if they're in a situation where Tyler is – that good and he leaves early. I think they would try to go get a grad transfer. I th- is what I think. And now could CJ beat that guy out? M- maybe we'll see. I can't project the kid who's on, whose film I've only seen as a sophomore and really starting cool. as a true freshman. I just can't a certain way on the current Notre Dame team as well for that to be even a possibility. So I, I there's just too many question marks to that. Yeah. I, again, could he end up being that good? Maybe. I mean, but yeah. I just he he I've only seen sophomore film like it's just it to me it's yeah. just, it's way too, it's way too early kind of um, to kind of get to that point in my opinion Vince I don't I don't know if you agree with that I just I just I, it's hard for me to even there's many ifs and there's yeah. many ifs I I don't I don't like that stuff just because there's just too many questions it's yeah too far sure. yeah a lot of things are for me between now and then yep yep let's get to a couple couple more here Vince timeout Tom asks. Now that the 2021 season is long past, tell us the real reason Kane Madden played. <laughs> well, I don't because know they, what. They recruited him to come, and they probably told him, you're going to play, and he played, and it I is what think, it is. I'm pretty confident they did not promise him anything. I think it just comes down to you had an incompetent coach who didn't know how to get younger players ready to go. It's as simple as that. And mm-hmm. – they just kept throwing him out there thinking that eventually they were going to get the guy they saw in film at Marshall and they didn't have a coach that could get that out of him. I mean, there, there's no conspiracy. There's no. no such and such was in the doghouse. It, it, it wasn't that it was just, it, it was just sheer incompetence in my opinion from a coaching standpoint. I mean, there's nothing more to it than that. I, I, I Maybe there's something more to it, Tom. I don't know the answer to that. All I know is, is that they just looked at that kid and felt that he gave him the best chance at right guard. And the funny thing is, is if you talk to people, like they would defend him and how well he played, which was absurd to me. And, wow. you know, it's like, you know, like Kelly would like, oh, so-and-so. Remember that time, Vince? We, You and I almost – Vince almost lost it. I, he, I thought Vince was going to go off. Where Kelly was talking about how well Kane Madden played, and you were like, he watched a completely different game than we watched because he was terrible. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I just – Yeah. Anybody with, with any kind of a football IQ and has watched any kind of film, just – how you can just bold face lie like that was mm-hmm. mind boggling to me. I, I don't care if he's engaged to your daughter. Like you don't, you can't, you can't, you can't lie like that. It just you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But he did that like just with like, without even like breaking a sweat. Like I, I hope the people on the Bayou enjoy that. He was such a good liar that I think sometimes he could convince himself that his lie was the truth. Yeah. Like that's pathological. That's, by the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, James Lawrence Zenzi, Pac-12 is soft, and they will have a high-powered offense. I really like their quarterback, but I don't think like Lincoln Riley. Hope he flames out there. I was talking about USC, uh, kind of breaking out. Overall, I, I'm not yeah. over impressed with the Pac-12. So I think what he's saying is USC is going to have a good record, and right. I think they probably have a good record, and they'll probably yeah. be ranked. When Notre Dame plays them, and then Notre Dame has to take care yeah, of business on the field. I, I, I got to see it first. I do, but I look. He, I was talking about this before the show. 
oh, look at the quarterback they had and all the receivers. I'm like, in 2018, they had they had uh, Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, and Velas Jones, and they had JT Daniels, a quarterback, and they went five and seven. Why? Because they sucked in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and they had no talent on defense. Their talent on defense is worse now than it was then, and their offensive line is still a hot mess. So there's this notion that they're just going to be 10 and two. Like, so this USC team is going to be just as good as last year's Oklahoma team without any of the, I mean, Oklahoma had like four defensive players get drafted last year, including a couple D linemen that got drafted hot. They had three D linemen get drafted last year and their defense still sucked. And yet this same coaching staff is going to turn this USC defense with very few NFL players into something that's going to allow them to have the same record at Oklahoma against the, also a, not a great conference. I just don't see it. Now, will they have a better record than four and eight? Yeah. I, do I think they could maybe go eight and four? Sure. Is it possible for them to be better eight and four? Of course, because the Pac-12 sucks. You know, but I mean, I just, I don't get it. I mean, it, we see it every year. I made a joke about this the other day, Vince, like the, the when ESPN jumped Notre, USC up to number four in their rankings when they got Jordan Addison. And I'm like, this is the same outlet that had Texas A&M fifth last year and at Iowa State and North Carolina in the top 10 last year. And you and I laughed at all three of those at the time because it's like y'all are on drugs. They had USC in the top 20 last year. There's just certain teams that they just overrank. They're going to keep predicting Texas A&M to be a top five to six team until they do it. it. That's And the funny thing is they finally jumped off the Michigan bandwagon the year that Michigan went to the playoff, which I think is freaking hilarious. Right. Remember every year they're putting Michigan, this is the year that Michigan goes to the playoff. And then last year they finally got off the bandwagon because of how bad they were in the COVID year. And they went to the playoff. Right. I freaking love it. That'll be what happens. And no, it won't be what happens because Jimbo's uh, an incredibly overrated coach. So I just find that to be flipping hilarious. All right. D troll Hunter says my lazy comfort bias is Justin Ross, but that is the impact I expect. I think he's more T Higgins, to be honest with you. I just, I don't think Tobias that, I mean, Justin Ross before the injuries events was a burner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, his freshman year numbers, I mean, it's like four, I think it was 49 catches for a thousand yards. Let me look it up. 46 catches for a thousand yards. I think Tobias is more of like what T was that year. 59 catches for 936 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like, I think that's more of what T Higgins is to me. You know, I just, yeah, I just think he's more of that kind of guy to me. Um, now, T the next year had a, had looked more like what Justin did with fifty nine catches, eleven sixty seven and thirteen. I just think it's, I just think it's a, he's a different kind of player than Justin Ross, but he's a, he's a big time talent in my opinion. There's no doubt. Here's an interesting one, Vince. I'll let you answer this one from Siggy thirteen. Clemson plays Syracuse before before a bye week before Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays Syracuse before uh, playing Clemson. How much does that help having a common opponent the game prior in terms of film comparisons and that? Just say this, in film, it doesn't matter. I think the second part is the one, Vince, that I want you to address on, and that is the comparison. Like You know the talent of one, and you know the talent of the other. I, th- I think that's the yeah that that's the key because you're going to be able to okay if they, they if this kid was able to do this against this kid then our kid should be able to do this against that kid etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I it, look common opponents is very helpful. I, I it is it's very helpful and I we mentioned that remember when we were we had a show a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this and how Notre Dame will have obviously access to the Syracuse Clemson game as they're preparing for Syracuse and 
it's going to be very difficult for them to watch that film without looking at Clemson thinking that's the bigger game. You know what I mean? Like that, that's where the film can hurt you, but mm-hmm. having a common opponent, I think is, is awesome. I, I actually like that no matter what sport you're playing, because you have something that you can actually compare things off of. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that that is, that's, that, that's key. It's important. Um, I, I, you know, Syracuse is not going to be a great football team, but from a comparisons standpoint, I think it is very beneficial. Yeah, because it's like, hey, we know what this guy does because we played him, and we know this guy's not good, and this guy gave them problems or something. like. That. I mean, there, there's things that you can look at like that. So, yes, that's a good way of going there, Vince. And then Carl Bremer, we have last couple comments and questions. Carl Bremer says, I think North Carolina is going to be a 9-3 and or 10-2 and team. There's nobody on their schedule they shouldn't beat outside of Notre Dame, but they uh, they love to lose a few games they shouldn't beat Wake Forest, but lose to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's kind of what they do. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll get to ten and two, but I think eight and four, nine and three is certainly possible with that football team. If they didn't have to play Notre Dame non-conference, I would I would be right there with you. I, I look, I know that they lost Sam Howell, and that was huge, and they lost a couple of really good offensive linemen, but they got a lot of other guys coming back. The change on defensive coordinator, even though I'm not a huge Gene Chizik fan, he's a solid defensive coordinator. Solid is a huge upgrade over what they were. And and so I think the talent's there. They've recruited well under Mac. I think that's going to play a role. And, and I think that they're just going to get slept on a little bit. I think they had way too much pressure on them last year, and I don't think their team was prepared to handle that. Well with that, yeah. I, yeah. I'm on the North Carolina schedule. I see nine wins on here yeah. and with the possibility of others. You know what I mean? I, I see mm-hmm. nine potential wins there. I and they could lose one of those and maybe win another one. So I don't think nine wins is out of the realm of possibility for North Carolina. And if that's the case, guess what? That helps Notre Dame. Right. So. Right. Here's an interesting comment that we had from ICRN. Kelly takes up for Madden, but throws Sam under the bus for being unable to snap in a hurricane. You got to understand the motivation behind one or the other. And throwing Sam Mustafer under the bus protected him from his poor decisions. Defending Kane Madden protected him from his poor decisions. All That's about. the theme. That's Boom. the theme. Correct. That's the thing you have to focus on with, with him. Is it's, it's always going to be about what did I do? What can I do to make sure that I'm not criticized for whatever decisions I make? Right. And that's going to be the key to that. So Vince, that is going to do it for today's show. Everyone, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Appreciate you all so much. Very good questions today. Very good in, engagement yeah. and interaction today and before you leave y'all please hit that like button hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell share this podcast we will have a six o'clock show tonight vince uh sean Styers is actually on the road driving to omaha uh i'm actually going to check now to make sure that he actually did record the show did you do that with him by chance vince i did not okay so i see sean's thursday show is on there so we do have that. So we'll be here tonight at six. We will kind of introduce the show and then play Sean's recorded show. So we will have that tonight at six o'clock. Awesome. Just to got, keep you guys kind of in that normal, uh, that normal schedule, that normal deal that we're going to do with him. And then of course it's a Monday to Thursday show, and we'll be back tomorrow at Friday on Friday for Friday free for all mailbag. Vince's favorite day of the week. There's no doubt about that. It's his favorite day of the week. And then, of course, Saturday, Sean and I uh, have a Saturday show planned. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've already kind of picked out the topics. Very Some very interesting topics this week uh, that we're looking forward to talking. And, of course, join the message board, boards.hoursbreakdown.com. We've got tons of merch. Built Bars rocking and rolling. They've got some new flavors coming out. You're going to want to check that. Use the Irish Breakdown promo code to get 10% off your entire purchase. And just uh, keep 
keep helping us out, right? The traffic on this, the articles has been so it's funny, Vince. People say, why don't you talk about the team more? So I do a running back preview yesterday. Nobody reads it. And it's like, <laughs> this is why. Because, like, nobody reads that stuff in June and July. You know, I would love to do nothing but talk about the team nonstop. But, you know, I got, also got to make money. <laughs> and right now, people don't click on that stuff. They're reading it, you know. They're not so reading it. That's the reality of it. But anyway, everybody, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Vince, for joining me. Appreciate everybody's patience for why uh, things took a little bit uh, longer to get there. Uh, but we we got rocking and rolling, so that's what matters. So we appreciate y'all. Have a great show. We will talk to you all again very very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>